Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast, your central place to hear unofficial news, reviews, trivia, and intelligent discussion on all things happening in the Prince world. Featuring the hosts, MC. You know, it's got all those classic Prince elements. Captain. Why wouldn't you just record as much as you could? Player. It's just like a story chest of ideas. Toe Jam. Either version. I love both versions. And other special guests. Hi, this is Larry Graham. And you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Ricky Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. What's happening, Australia? This is Tony M. from the New Power Generation. You're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hey, everybody, this is St. Paul Peterson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hi, this is Eden Nelson, and you're listening to the Peach and Black Podcast. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Peach and Black Podcast. You are listening to our 2016 end of year review episode. And joining me as always are the gang, the Peach and Black gang, starting with Player. Senor Moonbeam levels to me. Toe Jam. Hello, everybody. And Captain. 2016, me no (laughs) (laughs) Reiki. Understatement. Yeah, understatement (laughs) of the year. It's been a tough year. And, of course, it's me in the place to be, uh, MC, also known as Rob S. And uh, let's get straight into things. This has been a, to Captain's point, this has been a bloody tough year. I mean, for us, obvious for obvious reasons, Prince is passing. Uh, there's no way of not mentioning that at the at the very start of this show. It's been terrible. I mean, we uh, we've been doing this show for seven or eight years now, and I don't think any of us imagined that we would be having i was going to say this conversation but i don't think any of us imagined we'd be talking about uh the passing of prince so soon uh and we recorded our tribute show uh, which came out in the middle of the year and uh back then it was really really early i guess it was what for a couple of months after he had passed and um it took us a while to get our brains ready to do that show yeah you know some people it was fine they just got on like on the 22nd of april and they're like here's a two-hour show i'm going to talk about it and we just i don't know we weren't ready to do that we didn't want to do that and it took us yeah it took us a while but we got there eventually and even then we uh we did it because we felt like we needed to i think that's fair to say um if i yeah. And I mean, it wasn't like we were looking forward to it or that we really wanted to say something, but we just felt that we should. And it was also therapeutic, I guess, speaking on behalf of myself, it was therapeutic and it always is to talk about it. But uh, how time flies, it's been eight months. It's difficult to even think about how quick that's gone by since that incredibly sad day. But look, what we're going to try and do is keep things relatively light and keep uh, the party moving. Yeah, that's right. As keep it as positive as possible because that's what we're about. We've always been about the music and about his artistry. And for anyone who's listened to the show for any uh, period of time, there's no other reason for us to get together other than to talk about the music and all the crazy things that have happened over the last few years and in Prince's. It's a celebration. It's, a cel- it's not a, it's not a um, wake. No, it's not. <laughs> it's not a wake. So uh, we'll keep the train moving. And um, this is our celebration, Peach and Black 2016 end of year celebration, I guess. And let's talk about everything that, that happened. Um, like I said, I, I don't want to harp on too much about Prince's untimely passing, I'm sure. Let me give you an, an easy segue. As bad as this year was and as awful as the things that happened, 
it started off so unbelievably good. That is such a great way to start. With, with the like the most unique shows he's pretty much ever done in his life. Mm. So go with that. Well, that's you, you. You hit the nail on the head there, Captain. Because that's exactly right. If we take ourselves back to the beginning of the year, January what twenty twenty one? I think twenty twenty one. Yeah, yeah. The uh, piano and microphone gala performances at Paisley Park, the first time that uh, he's ever done solo piano and mic shows in a career at that stage that had spanned, what, 57, 58 years, or, or a life that had spanned that, that stage, but a career probably around the 40-year mark. He'd never done anything like that. You know, he'd played around with um, little piano medleys. And medleys, yeah, and sampler sets and this, that, and the other, but never a full show. Just him, unaccompanied. And uh, for anyone who wants to hear real in-depth chat around how those shows were like. And, and when I say those shows, we're not referring to the January Paisley Park shows, but the February. Uh, shows, yeah, the shows that he did later on in Australia. And obviously there were some, some other shows uh, that happened as well uh, around the world, New Zealand, uh, West Coast of America, and a couple of US and Canadian cities. But um, we were yelling out for, for something like this. And, and um, Toe Jam, my- something different. <laughs> We just want something different. And we, we got, got it. And Opera House. We got it too. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy, isn't it? I mean, thinking, as you said, that player, like this massive smile just, uh, huh. just appeared on my face. When I think about just that alone, the fact that Prince played the Opera House this year, the Sydney Opera House. Not a string quartet to be seen. That's <laughs> <laughs> we were the only quartet in that, in that building. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, those, those shows were remarkable and he was stretching himself and he did something completely out of the blue and uh, incredibly inspiring as well. You know, this this influential, iconic artist going out there on stage alone, uh, just just him and an instrument. And uh, I'll still never yeah. forget two moments I'll never forget on that tour from the first show, just like when the, the uh, music stopped just before he comes on. And, you know, there's the rumble and then suddenly the spot, it's all dark and the spotlight's on him and he walks out like this alien from another planet and the crowd just went completely nuts. Probably the loudest you've ever yeah. heard in the opera house. Yeah. The loudest noise and, you've ever heard. And then like the, the must have been 10 minutes at the end of the show, uh, just chanting free yourself. Free yourself, like, yeah. I've never heard a crowd in a small theater like that just so like caught up in the whole moment. And to think it's just one guy and one instrument. It's amazing. Yeah. Like of all the main shows, of all the upshows I saw, they're all like special in their own right. But I've never seen anyone, just one person command, what, two and a half thousand people or whatever it is, 4,000 maybe, mm. in such a small room. And just everyone's just going apeshit, basically. <laughs> Pretty much. Pretty much. And the, the other thing about those shows was that it was an interesting cross section of people. The tickets were quite expensive. And, and again, we speak about this at length in our review of those shows. But I got the impression that it was just a really wide, very diverse mix. His audiences always are, but even even more so, I think, at these shows. Like, I was yeah. sitting next to people that had seen <laughs> – they were seeing him for the first time, mm. which is remarkable. Like, to see him in that setting the first time you're ever seeing him is crazy. It's just crazy to me to think about that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, those shows will go down as his every piano mic show will go down historically as um as unique and rare but for us obviously sydney opera house i mean you you have to be kidding me for that to have occurred i just feel like pinching myself even though we know it happened it's like when you think about it now you think 
Did that actually happen? Well, like you, you mentioned the ticket prices. The most expensive ticket was four hundred dollars. Before the shows, I was like, "That's ridiculous." I was seriously considering not even going unless I could get some of the cheaper tickets. And I did get for some of the other shows. I got cheaper tickets, but one show I paid the four hundred dollars, and I was very close to the front. And even during that show, I was thinking, "Man, this costs four hundred dollars." And then you know after. April, I'm just like, what the hell is $400? Hmm. It's nothing, really. At the time, I was like, I just couldn't believe I spent that much money. And now I'm like, I can't believe I almost didn't spend that much money. Yeah, I mean... It's just crazy. Now now you'd probably be more along the lines of, I'd spend $1,000. I'd spend 1000 exactly. Well, yeah. like, I had a similar thing, because I flew over to Perth and... You know, when I bought those tickets, like an hour later, I'm like, why did I bother doing that? That was a waste of money last time. <laughs> but, you know, to think I'm one of the few people that saw that show in a big arena. That's, like, I saw it in a different setting. Mm. I saw his final show. show like that, yeah. His last show in Australia. We're not counting the up show. That never happened. So. <laughs> <laughs> Sampler set. It wasn't an after show. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah, it, yeah remarkable. It, really remarkable stuff. And, um, I mean, speaking of those piano and mic shows in, at the Opera House, the other thing that we found out relatively recently uh, based on a uh, magazine or newspaper article in Australia was that the promoter and the tour organizer or whatever they called was supposedly in talks with Prince to film those Sydney Opera House shows, you know, document them on video and supposedly at the 11th hour, as he was known to do, (laughs) either someone in his camp or maybe Prince himself decided not to film them. And, you know, you think, you think about that now and it's certainly a bittersweet decision because, um, you know, we saw the shows, but how amazing would it have been to... Uh... But you know, there's got to be some CCTV footage out there, at least some security footage. Something has to be out there. <laughs> well, do you know what? I've been at the Opera House and I've been outside that main hall. That is true. And yeah. there are TV screens in that bar which show video yeah. feeds to that main room. It's very likely someone recorded that. I would think that they would almost have to for security reasons, like if, if something happened on stage. Well, like that's right. Logistics yeah. and if there's an injury We've or something. We've got some, um, some, some following up to do. I can't believe we just thought of that now. <laughs> well, not, I mean, we We've got do, some calls to make. We, we do, but we don't, because I know exactly what you're talking about, Captain. They do film that, and if you're outside the venue, you can watch what's happening inside yeah, the show. Can. Sometimes, where are the cameras but, located? But it's I, only one. It's only one camera, as far as I as I know. It's probably just back on the soundboard, yeah. and it's on a bit of a zoom to just it's come also, to the stage. Yeah, it's also for like when they're doing big operas and stuff, so people backstage know what's happening on the front, so they know when mm. to get ready. That's okay. Sort of thing, so. Okay, there you go. So it's like a mod. It's a monitor basically. Yeah. That, that yeah. everyone's looking at monitor it's feed. Like, yeah. Yeah, you're not going to get angles first, and close-ups. Of and course yeah. not, but I'd still rather have a monitor feed than nothing. Mm. Well, I mean, we know there's audio because he's already put out one yeah, or two tracks on audio. So. And yeah. and he's played, supposedly he's played excerpts or maybe even the whole shows at Paisley Park. Well, yes. When I say he, they've, the, the estate have supposedly yeah. played Sydney Opera House audio mm. on the tour that they're doing at Paisley Park. The first thing I did when I went in the Opera House was look for cameras and I couldn't find one. So <laughs> the, I mean, there may have been, but I, that was the first thing I did. Did not see. Me. Yeah, I mean, it definitely wasn't professionally filmed. There, there weren't, as you say, player. Yeah, it's not like there were cameras set up for that purpose. So if, no. if there is anything out there, it's not going to be brilliant. But you're right, Captain. I mean, to your point as well, <laughs> anything would be better than nothing. So uh, one anyway. thing about the um, the difference between those that show or two shows he did at Paisley in January, and then the shows we got here was the shows he did at Paisley Park were virtually like an audio 
autobiography. He was telling all these stories about his life and then he'd play through different songs and then talk about things. We got about 5% of that in the shows that he did here. He like totally almost dropped that whole concept. Mm. I think he started, maybe the Perth show, I think Toe Jam said he the did Perth a bit. One, yeah. He did a bit more in Perth than any other show I saw. Because yeah, in Sydney he, he barely said anything. He said a couple of lines was, here and there and that was it. It was more a typical show, right? Yeah, I would have much preferred to hear him you know, tell, tell the stories, but we didn't. Well, you may get that because although we're talking about the fact that Sydney Opera House shows and as far as we know, none of the other main tour shows have been pro- properly filmed, the one show that has been filmed in its entirety, or the, I should say the two shows that have been filmed in their whole entirety, are the first two, the gala event in late January. Those have actually been professionally shot. Were the, didn't he also put out a track or two from the, the Atlanta shows? Mm, one like mixing that up. Uh, I think he put out Black Sweat. He definitely on mentioned on Twitter, I think, that he wanted to release the shows. So that indicates they were recorded. I think he put one track out. Yeah, my, my impression or understanding was that it was audio because there was a lot of kerfuffle on, on Prince fan forums on the internet as well about whether they were filmed. And people were saying the same thing about Atlanta that we were about Sydney Opera House. No one could see cameras. It was all... You know, but you never know, right? You never know. You never know. Can you imagine? I just, I just remembered something that I think was announced around the time of the piano shows, and that was that he'd signed some deal to release a book, a, book. a, a biography. That's what and I was just about to mention. Yeah, yeah, I haven't, well, yeah, that I haven't even thought about that, and since then, well, there was supposedly only about forty, fifty pages done Completely. anyway, which is not a lot, really. Someone says you need to do. That minimum quantity before the and and turn it into the publisher before they like they need to consider the material before they give you the deal kind of thing like you have to yeah. show that you've got and is it fifty pages or is it a hundred fifty pages okay. Okay. I read several different pla- wherever this news came from a, a bunch of different things I read said you know not a lot so maybe do you think that's why he was sort of more autobiographical in the Paisley shows and then he got this book deal and sort of didn't diverge into stories in subsequent shows because he was saving those stories for the book, maybe? I think more maybe. the, I think more the I, I don't know the timeline of it, but I'd think more the other way. He got a deal. Someone said, we'll give you money to write a book. I think that deal actually went ahead because I remember there was like some party and it was announced. But, there was a publisher, yeah. yeah. But I'd think more after those January shows where he did tell the story as he was doing songs. I think that's much more his style than writing a book. He's always been about Mm. the music and talks through his music. I think he'd much rather do a show playing his songs and telling the stories through that show. And doing it, you can imagine the publishers. The publishers ring you, ring his people, saying, "Ah, oh, you need to turn in your uh, your first fifty pages print, or first hundred pages prints. What's what's going on? We, you know, you're you're late." And then he's like, "Get him to send them the video of Atlanta, yeah, Atlanta piano send, mic show. Send That's the, the book send right them the disc. <laughs> Tell them cats to chill. <laughs> that seems much more his style, though. Yeah, Indigo Nights was. I mean, probably ninety percent of the people who bought Indigo Nights book bought it for the CD. Mm. Exactly. Primarily. Yeah. Primarily. Like, what's that? The boggle-eyed woman. What? What's that song? Uh, <laughs> begging, begging, I think it was begging woman blues, isn't it? It's like the cock-eyed woman. That's it. Oh, that was hilarious. So yeah, I mean, uh, who knows what's happened with that book deal? I mean, the one thing we know is that nothing has come out. The other thing we know is that we don't know a lot about it. <laughs> but I'd love. I to don't hear think. It. I don't think it'll ever come out. No. Nah, when there's that little done, I don't think there's much they can do. I think. 
I'm not 100% on this. I think those 50 pages was created on his laptop. He typed it. And so if his laptop's locked and no one can get into it, Mm. then no one, you know, I don't know. I don't know how accessible all this stuff is. I'm sure there's got to be some. There's some guy who could get into a laptop, I'm sure. Yeah, there's got to be some legal thing there. (laughs) Yeah. If someone dies and you're the estate, you would have legal right to access the laptop. So probably, mm. I don't know, I have no idea. But I, I imagine there'd be some way to get around it, get into it. Can you imagine they get some IT, they call out some local Minneapolis IT guy. He comes to Paisley Park, he opens the laptop and he's like, uh, I can't see a book here, but Prince's homepage is set to peachandblack.podbean.com. <laughs> <laughs> Do you, who are these guys? <laughs> what is this? Yeah, exactly. It's the first thing a, in the favorites list. What? What's I think, this? Yeah, I think this is a virus. So I better get rid of <laughs> it. So who knows what's going to happen with the book. But one thing that happens in all forms of commerce and business and, and you know, whether it's book or music or movie publishing, they just milk stuff. So if it's 50, if it's 60, if it's 80, if it's 100 pages that he would have completed, I'm betting that at some point in the future – someone's going to make the decision to go, you know, if the material is good enough and they think there's an audience for it, they'll say, you know, this is a version of what Prince wanted to put together. It's not the finished product, but, you know, it's a Well, it'll be like of, that. Um, it's as close as we'll ever get. The easy way to fix that is, you know, if they've only got 50 pages of text, add another 50 pages of pictures and, you know, there you go. Done. Hmm. 100 pages. That'll it's like do. the Miles Davis Doobop album, which was released like oh, a year yeah, after his death. CD. And it's yeah. basically they just they just With took easy mode like yeah solo stuff. He's just playing along on his own in the studio, and they put all these beats to it and made a, a Miles Davis yeah. album. Yeah. yeah, and they even so, say in the, in the booklet of that how they kind of. I think like one song, yeah. one song was actually completed, and then the rest of the yeah, eight or nine songs that's just, right. just made after the fact. Yeah. Mm. So who knows? It could happen. There could be a partial. Partially completed book come out with pictures or, you know, maybe even music. I mean, you could, I could envisage them putting out a, a version of what he's written with, let's say, the audio from his last Atlanta show or something like that. I'm not suggesting that I would want to see that on the market. It, it's a little odd if they did something like that, but I wouldn't be surprised because at the end of the day, people from the estate, and I don't know how much we want to talk about this, but you'd imagine they want to put things together not only retrospective stuff from really early on in his career, but also most recently. I mean, I I just for the life of me can't see a situation where at some point in 2017, something doesn't come out that is very recent, either a version of an album that he was completing before he passed or the Atlanta shows or the Sydney Opera House shows, you know, audio versions on CD or whatever it is. Something I I truly think something's going to come out that it, that was done recently. I don't know what you guys think about. I that. hope so. I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Well, I I think if we're going to talk about speculative releases, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they put out a a Blu-ray or a DVD of like a concert from the last five years, something like that, like a Welcome to show or a a Montreux show or, or something like that. Yeah, Maybe that's a good point, Tojo. I mean, Montreux could come out in an official capacity. Uh, Montreux 2013 or maybe even 2009. Who knows? Uh, they, they might be prepping the Blu-ray releases of those shows as we speak. But then there's also Welcome to Australia footage supposedly has been screened at Paisley Park recently. They were planning on screening the Brisbane show from the 18th of May 2012, which Toe Jam I know would be incredibly fond of, even though his ears were hurting after that show. I think you'd be happy <laughs> to see that video footage. 
Yeah, I def- I'm sure we all would be. We'd all be keen to see that. Mm. Well, if we're going in order of the year, we we have to say that tour was, you know, it was really just getting started. Because just like 2003, he did like the trial stuff here, and then he was off to do the big, who knows, if that was, was the plan, but that was starting the tour in America. And you then, mean like musicology? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not like it was going to be a massive tour like that, but yeah, I mean, he came out here to a smaller audience, did a trial. He's like, yeah, that works. He even did the Perth show in a bigger arena, see how it worked there, and then yeah, back to America. And then he moved on. I mean, he did. He did yeah, well, he did New Zealand. He did New Zealand as well. Yeah, first and then only he did shows ever. A few shows. Yeah, and then he did a few shows on the west coast of the states in America. He did a few shows in Canada, and I believe one of the shows in Canada was also at a more arena-sized venue, so that worked as well. And then he finished finished off with a couple of shows in Atlanta before, um, you know, um, he's un- untimely passing, and, and who knows what this tour would have turned into. We have no idea. The one thing that supposedly was in the works was another Montreux performance or a few m- more Montreux performances later this year. Uh, around the July period, so uh, potentially that was in planning, and and you know who knows, who knows. I mean, he he may have spent the rest of this year and potentially going into 2017 doing more piano and microphone shows and and all the rest of it. But uh, you know, unfortunately, we'll never know. And and um, that was cut short. And then afterwards, everything just kind of went crazy. I mean, after after his passing, the tributes around the world flowed through thick and fast. We covered a lot of this in our tribute episode, uh, and the tributes are still coming through. You know, you'll, you'll see award shows, both for music and movies, um, where he's getting recognized. Um, people are mentioning him. His name's really out there, and his legacy is probably stronger than ever now. Well, Purple and- Rain won the best soundtrack. It sold that mm. many copies. It was eligible again, and it won the category, which is insane. Amazing. Yeah. Uh, for American, for what? Thirty-two years. Thirty-two years after mm. its release, yeah. Official release, yeah. So that was incredible. Well, that was the and uh, Taika went up to do accept. Song googled for the year was Purple Rain. Wow. So probably people googled it, couldn't find it on YouTube, and then they they had to <laughs> buy it. Go and buy it. Yeah. So you know, it, it was a crazy year. It's been a crazy year, and you know, we've we've talked about a lot, including the tributes that were put together after Prince's passing and they're still going and I've, I've said a lot about that. In addition to that, Paisley Park have also and the estate have also announced the 2017 celebration, which I think is up there as far as, you know, some of the biggest news that has come out in recent times, I think. And as someone who has never been to any of the celebrations, it's obviously going to be bittersweet, but I hope it's just going to be a huge celebration. I mean, celebration, obviously, they'll be celebrating his life and his music, but you'd want it to be a party. And based on what they're doing and the acts they're going to have there and the music and the videos and the community events that they, I think, are, are planning, it's going to be a crazy event in the best well, possible sense of the big, word. So. Some big acts announced, Prince-related acts yeah, I mean, so far you've got everyone really. The Revolution, Morris Day in the Time, MPG, and that could be anyone. I mean, I hope that at the very least you get Sonny T, Michael B, Tommy Barbarella, and maybe uh, Tony M and, and whoever else was around. Morris, Levi. even Morris Hayes, Levi. Yeah, that's right. How could I forget Levi? I hope they reform for for these 
celebration shows. And then in addition to that, you've got the more recent incarnation of the MPG. Now, we don't know exactly who's going to be there and which exact formation of the band there'll be, but it sounds like the backup singers will be there. Liv, Shelby, and Elisa. Um, you know, all of this is to be confirmed. So I'm sure they'll announce or confirm who will actually take the stage when it gets closer to the event in uh, in April. But, you know, we're only five months, four to five months away from the 2017 celebration. And as crazy as that sounds, uh, it's going to happen, you know, before we know it. Was it four days? I think it's across four days. Wow. So I'd love to be there. Unfortunately, I think staying in Australia for during that period, um, and it is a bit of an outlay of cash as well. I mean, the, the with the exchange rate with the Australian dollar at the moment, it'd cost us an arm and a leg uh, to get you know yeah. tickets for four days and then flights and accommodation. So that's unlikely to happen. But uh, we'd love to be there if we could. And the VIP tickets have already sold out. So you know, these are the sorts of things that are happening. You know, and I don't want to go back too often to April, but I have to say it again, at least one last time. Since April, there's been a lot of melancholy, but just as frequently, things are happening that are really uplifting. And this is going to be one of them, no doubt. And you can imagine some of the other parties that are going to be happening around Minneapolis. For anyone that's that's heading to Minneapolis for this 2017 celebration, you could only... It's going to be a big week. Yeah, you could only guess the amount of fans that are going to be there, associated artists, potentially family, you know, general fans, hardcore fans, l- locals. You know, he was so loved in Minneapolis that I'm sure that whole week will turn into a huge event. Just, you know, even at the bars, the cafes, the restaurants, Dakota, uh, the Dakota First Avenue, you know, all of bunkers. the bunkers for sure. You know, all the... um live music venues around the area, that week is going to be historic, I think. Uh, people are going to come together without doubt and really party up. So uh, I was just going to say um, it's good to know that the estate, there's been a lot of criticism on how the estate are handling things, and but it's good to know that things are happening. Uh, you know, they've got the museum opening and it, you can go there and visit and there's screenings and there's, you know, celebration next year. Like, it's good to know that at least things are happening. There's been a lot of criticism, but there's always going to be different opinions about how they should be running things. So, I mean, I'm just happy that at least things are happening. I was just about to say a similar thing and that's, you know, like MC said, there's been melancholy and, but from the estate side of thing, I mean, I'm the cynical one. You can look at it. They're just trying to monetize everything and make as much money as they can, which is fair enough because Paisley Park costs a lot of money to run. But at the same time, you can look at it and just see that they're keeping these the dance parties going and the museums open and they're, eventually there's going to be things released. So they're avoiding that melancholy that way by just keeping things going and things are coming out. It's staying positive in that way i think yeah yeah for sure the more events that they put together and the more events that people put on around the world the better i think you know the more his music is played and people come together as communities and as as fans and friends and family and all that kind of stuff that's what he would have wanted and initially it was a shock and it was terrible and it still is but at the same time i think the best way to celebrate his life is to just turn up your speakers put on some headphones, go out to the clubs, go see screenings of his films and of his work and of his concerts, you know, get amongst it and just keep the the music and the legacy alive. And that's what we're 
trying to do here on the show and we always did and we're going to continue doing it and there are other people out there that are doing a great job as well and that's the real positive thing it's not i don't think we're we're drowning in our sorrow as a friends fan community you know some people have some pretty low days or low moments uh and then you you you, you get out of them and then you you remember how lucky and how grateful we all are for what we witnessed and what we've been a part of and if anything all the people that are still left, which and there's plenty of them, are going to keep his legacy going. So, uh, you know, and there's been some people around the world have been lucky enough to see associated artists along the lines of F Deluxe, who've been touring. They, they did some Australian shows, some shows in Asia uh, and around the world. And Sheila, who's uh, keeping the party going and the spirit of Prince alive in, her, in the shows that she's doing. And she visited Australia recently as well. If anyone's got any uh, recollections or memories of, of the recent Sheila E concert, shoot. Uh, she covered a lot of prints. Yeah, I don't know how people feel about that. It was, it was, it was a very celebratory event. Everyone was getting into it. It was good fun. I think there was a lot of closure and stuff as well. So um, Eddie M's in a band from Saxophonist from the Purple Rain Tour. So he was there. It was great. Good fun. Fantastic. So as we say, you know, there's there's a whole lot going on and from our perspective, we also got a chance to speak to a couple of people this year and we'd love to uh, continue the conversations with associated artists going into 2017. But Eda Nielsen was a particularly memorable interview for a number of hey, reasons. Eda! She was, <laughs> she was great to talk to. And uh, Tony M as well. I mean, that has to be one of the biggest shows we've done. Certainly <laughs> one of the biggest, one of the biggest yeah, this totally. year. There was, Correct there me if spots. I'm wrong, but... Is that the first interview he's done since We'd leaving ask, Tony. the NPG? It's we the first one to, that I know yeah. of. Yeah, I don't know of very many. I'm not aware of any other time that he's talked since he left in yeah. 93, 92, 93. So that, that's a big show. Mm. Yeah, and it was great getting him on. And, and you never know what's around the corner. Something big may be coming with uh, regards to, to Tony uh, in general, but also maybe... um. A continuation of that conversation with Peach and Black, maybe. Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? But uh, so yeah, we had a couple of great conversations, and, and we met people throughout the year that, that we shared some memories with. And leading into next year, I should say that we've got some surprises in store. Let me put it that way. For anyone who's a fan of the show, I think you're going to be incredibly. Uh, what's the word? Someone help me out here. <laughs> well, we've got some plans. Um, whether they actually happen or not, if yeah, those they... plans happen, you could be very happy. Yeah, we. I would. I'd say. I'd confidently say we're probably eighty percent there. Anyone who's listening to this is thinking, "What the hell are you talking about? What the heck are these guys possibly going to, to deliver next year?" And we've we've and the finalized. Could be nothing. <laughs> no, we're 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 definitely one way or another. We're going to figure out a way to deliver on what what we've been planning for a little while. But uh, it's just a question of timing. So we're not going to make any promises around exactly when we're going to begin doing certain things. But uh, we will be doing something with this show. And uh, the only other thing I can say is that the show must go on. And our show will go on. And uh, I think people who enjoy listening to the Peach and Black crew will get, how do I put this, more enjoyment out of the Peach and Black podcast in 2017. Keyword being more. But uh, I'll leave it there. More peachness and more blackness. <laughs> oh gosh! So um, oh, you know what we didn't talk about yet is forever. 
forever. We didn't talk about that and and the yeah. one track that everybody wanted to hear. That's true. We should touch on that. I mean, there's there are a number of compilations out there. Forever was the first posthumously released uh, Prince greatest hits collection and it's not really a whole lot to say about contents i guess unless everyone anyone wants to but we can go straight into moving levels i mean i just want to say one thing about when before i think just before they came out and they were like really trying to hype it up they were like this compilation has like nine never heard before edits of songs and i'm like how is that a selling point Wow, we're going to hear a radio edit of a song, so it's going to actually be like a minute shorter than the album version. Wow, I'm so excited. Yeah, and especially for like hardcore fans. I think think someone got in their ear and they're like, you know, these prints, these, these collectors, they will collect anything. It doesn't matter what it is. If you put a previously unreleased mix, they'll buy it. So that was one of their selling points was like, you know, radio. The funny thing is, and I'm like, wow. (laughs) (laughs) The funny thing is, I remember someone actually went through because it's supposed to be Oh, previously unreleased on CD, this this particular edit. And someone went through and actually yeah. will know, like, half of them were actually released on CD, like, even if it was some <laughs> obscure German release or something. Like, yeah. it's still misleading, because it's like, no, they were actually released on CDs. Even if it was a promo CD, still, but they, um, it was on a CD. <laughs> we should talk about Moonbeam Levels. Well, so we have Moonbeam Levels, never before released. Although, let's be honest, I think pretty much... Every Prince fan, beyond just a casual fan, had this song on some cassette or jewel box release of some sort or some sort of internet download somewhere along the line. And it really is a spectacular song. I think a lot of people, including myself, would say that this song is just as good as anything on the 99 album. And and it's always been a big mystery uh, as to why it didn't make the final cut, Um, especially when you think, you know, Free is a really good song on 1999. But I mean, for me, Moonbeam Levels is such a higher quality song in terms of the music, the lyrics, the emotion, everything. So it's a worthy addition to finally get an official release. The only interesting thing is that it's not a crisp, clean release. It still sounds... Sounds like it's come yeah. from a bootleg cassette or something. So, I mean, it's it's at least on par with the best circulating versions that were out there. But it's not like the Crystal Ball tracks that when they came out, they were like super crisp. This one still sounds like it's been off. Uh, it's been it's lost a few uh, decibels or something through the cassette tape. Um, so that's interesting. So it makes you wonder how what's actually happened to the proper recording tapes of that song. The original masters. Because, yeah, I remember reading just in the last couple of weeks people were saying, I think this version released on this CD is sourced from circulating bootleg versions. And I'm like, how bizarre would that be? If like the the original master was like damaged or there was something wrong with it mm. or they couldn't find it and they ended up using a version which is already out there, how bizarre would that be? It's just crazy. That is, that is exactly what's happened. It, but it's not confirmed that that's happened, is it? It's just... Most well, it's people not, think it's that. not confirmed. It's not confirmed in writing, but this, no one's going to officially confirm it. Yeah, nah. I mean this. This sounds exactly like what's already out there. So logic would assume that it's not a new version. <laughs> it's certainly not pristine or crystal clear by any stretch. But Straight. why? But then Straight. again, if the they have access to the album, it's not crystal clear yeah. either. So. Well, again, I mean, this brings me. A player said if they had access to the vault, and they do have access to the vault, but. Allegedly, this track listing and the artwork and everything was chosen by Prince prior to his passing. Therefore, no, it wouldn't be wrong, 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 wrong. Yes. Okay. 
No, like the official word was Prince approved of the image of the picture on the front cover. And so then that's confirmed. This, so the, that's confirmed. Uh, the, artwork, but, the artwork he wanted on there. Well, the, art, the, the actual picture is being approved. And then that sort of morphed into he's approved the whole release. Now I Track can't like and everything. Yeah. yeah. Now you can't tell me that he approved head on there, sexy MF, all that sort of stuff. Uncensored sexy MF. Yeah, I don't yeah, see yeah. that happening. Like you know, in those February shows when he was out here in Australia, in Melbourne, when there was an after party, I think it was in the Docklands or some or somewhere. You know, the DJ starts playing head, and he says to Kirk, like, get it off. You know, he made mm. the like the cutthroat gesture. <laughs> you know, he had to get rid of it. I, I don't see why he would pre-approve and totally give his total blessing to this release and it's got head and sexy MF and all that on there. So, like, I think it's just one of these internet, you know, that like Chinese whispers, it's morphed into something else. Yeah. But they said, yeah, he's approved this picture, which probably, like, in a photo shoot, yeah, he's probably said, yeah, like, I like this picture. And he's approved that. But then it's somehow morphed into this... He approved the whole release, the track listing, you know, everything. It's, I, I don't believe it at all. You know, I, I do see it as an opportunistic thing that the estate's gone, you know, it's coming up to Christmas, you know, we'll do a greatest hits package, we'll throw in an extra track. And, you know, they've, they've taken upon themselves to, to put that together. Could be that what he had approved was, yes, we're going to do some sort of compilation album because there haven't been one since Ultimate like 10 years ago. Um, so it could be that he did tick off saying, yes, Warner Brothers will let you have a compilation, but probably not. never got around to confirming the track list or anything. Um, yeah, exactly. Two other interesting things about this release, I think, is that it's got uh, Bat Dance on there. Uh, it's got yes. Bat Dance on there, which, you know, almost, which is a massive song, but every other best of, it's never been on there before. So it makes me wonder now, people were always speculating, saying, oh, it's to do with like um, DC Comics and rights and everything. But the fact that they could put it on now it makes me think that I wonder if it was Prince that actually said he didn't want the Batman tracks on his best of because, I don't know, maybe he wasn't happy with it or maybe he didn't want to mess with the Batman thing as part of his... He didn't see it as part of his catalogue kind of thing in some way. And the other interesting thing is that this is obviously a Warner Brothers greatest hits. There's nothing post-93 on this disc. And yet the front cover is like a picture from, I don't know, 2013 or something? I think it might even be from like the Montreux shoots. So that's kind of weird. It's just a weird release. Yeah, I mean, it's a good point, the player that you make. It seems very rushed. It seems like a very rushed release. Yeah, true. Yeah, and player's point about the explicit lyrics and everything i mean one thing that i didn't think about at the time was back when the ultimate compilation came out in 2006 he took off a couple of uh, explicit s- songs that were initially supposed oh, to yeah, be on yeah. there yeah that's right because um, i think that they i'm pretty sure sexy mf was supposed to be on one of them and he took it off yeah and that's so- right you know, if he was doing that 10 years ago, it's likely that he would have done the same here had he been asked. So that's a good point, actually. But I think it's interesting, some of the track listing on it. Like, it's good to see some of the other songs that never made it to compilations like Mountains and Girls and Boys and stuff get on there. Um, I think Glam Slam's a weird inclusion because, you know, it didn't really chart that well. Mm. Even though I love Glam Slam, like, don't get me wrong, I love Glam Slam, but you would have thought, say, The Most Beautiful Girl in the World, which did end up on Warner's, would be and part of that. And was a number one hit. Yeah. So, so just things like that were kind of a bit weird to me. Um, I understand why they did all the edits. You know, they wanted to fit as much as they could onto the two discs, I guess. Um, but yeah, it, it is a it is an odd release. Even the packaging, having the more recent photo on the front and then inside all the uh, 
leftover shoots from the 92 hits b-side session you know with oh the um, pictures yeah yeah the pictures like the herb, it's just, herb, the herb ritz photography pretty, yeah that it's is just, weird isn't it it's, it's like yeah. to Tejan's point was it rushed like, is that is that kind of what you're saying as well Pla? yeah it seems that way i mean they're making it look classy i guess but it is it doesn't sort of you know in the, the timeline of things even the track listing you know it's kind of a bit all over the place so look, it's come out. I don't know what the sales are like, and the, I mean the response hasn't been huge. I don't think. No, very little promotion. So again, it's very, very odd, isn't it? Very odd. I think, I think that next had to do mostly with the fact it came out so late. It came out so long after. You know, if this had come out a month, even two months after April, it would have sold a lot more. I think leaving it all the way till just before Christmas, really, that was a that was not the smartest move to make. Yeah, I mean, at the same time, releasing it a month or two in would have copped, I think, huge amounts of flack from the fan community. That would have seen like an obvious money grab, you know, that, that soon afterwards. But the other thing is a, a lot of releases come out around this time, from my understanding, at least in the US and Canada, it's this is holiday season. So I think uh, whoever made the decision may have thought, you know, we'll get that holiday cash. But, uh, you know, and, and maybe, they've, maybe they've succeeded. We don't know. But certainly from a promotion angle, it hasn't been huge. 2017 is going to have to be a big year, you would think. I mean, without having any insight or any anything confirmed <laughs> you know, from the Prince camp. All I can say about that is I don't think any year is going to be worse than 2016. It's been mm. like the worst year that I can remember. Yeah, 2017 been... is going to be pretty hard to be worse. It's got to be better. Yeah, let's not set it up for another crappy year, though, because... <laughs> I mean, what, what everyone. Well, I mean, online, you know, leaving Prince and Prince aside just for one minute, been so many unfortunate losses uh, in the in the music community for anyone, everyone from David Bowie to Prince to Leonard Cohen to Lemmy. For, I mean, it's just it just goes on and on and on. And Bernie Worrell. Um, yeah. yeah, that's right, Bernie. Oh, yeah. um, Five it, Dog. I mean, Sharon uh, Jones. Sharon Jones. Yeah. And, and a the, lot the, of session um, players. A lot of really well-known session yeah. players, especially in funk music. And, you know, I think Parliament or Funkadelic may have lost a couple as well. And in addition to Bernie, it's just been tragic. So, However, to Captain's point, let's hope 2017 isn't, isn't as terrible. And uh, coming back to the Prince, wouldn't it be great to see the floodgates open? You know, maybe not early in the year, but certainly post-2017 celebration at paisley park i think it'd be brilliant for his music to some unreleased music to start coming out there's been talk or confirmation of the purple rain a deluxe edition and remaster coming out so that'll definitely hit our hit our you know the shop front had a um, question my question to the panel is if you are in charge of the estate what is your next release or what's your next move what's the plan hmm has anyone given this any thought? Because ToeJam's just sprung this on us. So does anyone have well, anything? I think the main idea that a lot of people have <laughs> is... Now, wait, now, wait a second. we want... What do you want, Captain? Of, what, what, well, what would you do? This You're is in just, charge. This is me, but also a lot of people have a similar idea online. And that is, of course, we want either compilations of you know studio outtakes or albums that were unreleased but pretty much got up to you know pressing 
but didn't come out. Like there's Dream Factory and there's Crystal Ball and there's the Camille album. There's all these albums which were just they're just sitting there and they're done. But then on the live front, this is just a start because we know that there's a million shows, live shows sitting in the vault. Just start with like one show from each tour. Soundboard recording, just one from each tour. Pick whichever one you want. You know, people are going to buy that. That's the best thing I can see to do to start off with. So that's what you would do. You would start releasing compilations of studio released work and live live shows, yeah? Yeah. Now, when you say live shows, you're talking the whole deal, like the DVDs, Blu-rays, uh, audio? Uh, I was just talking versions. audio, but we know okay. there's a lot of shows that were filmed as well, but that's that's something else as well. That's something else mm. as well to do. Okay. Is DVD. So that's, that's Captain's answer. My move would be, well, Prince hasn't released a uh, concert video since Live at the Aladdin. And then Live at the Aladdin was intentionally made to look kind of crusty and like a bootleg. So really, the last kind of pro shot live concert he has released was the Rave on the Year 2000 one. So we're talking like almost 20 years since the last proper live video release. And so I think that has to be the next thing on the cards. Like... I remember when the Musicology Tour came out, I thought, right, that's it. There's going to be a live DVD. Didn't happen. Same with London, the 21 Nights. You think, right, there's going to be a DVD. Didn't happen. Same with the Welcome to America shows. Didn't happen. You had all these Montreux shows that have been pro shot and, you know, they're out there bootlegged. But to me, that's the thing that's missing in the Prince canon at the moment. And I've been saying this for a few few years, is that he needs to release a, well, they need to release a a live concert pro shot, you know, Blu-ray. You know, you go down to the music store and you find all these other artists with that kind of thing out there, like a super high definition Blu-ray thing of their late latest concert. And Prince, it's like, you know, you find Live at the Aladdin and you take it home and it looks like shit. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I know they screened the Brisbane show this week. So, I mean, something like that, that would be awesome to have that and like a Blu-ray or something. That would be like a dream come true for me. So that's what I would do if I was in charge of the Prince estate. Very good. Player, you're in charge of the Prince estate. What would you do? Um, well, just to sort of carry on from what Toejam just said, for example, this Brisbane one that they're showing at Paisley Park, like, I think that's great. Um, for us, it's not great because we have to fly overseas. To, and then there's a lot of worldwide fans that would love to see that. I know with the Musicology Tour, the very first show, they broadcast it into cinemas across the US. I would love to see the estate do like you know, a worldwide, (laughs) I don't know, the logistics of doing something like this would be, like, say this Brisbane show, okay, it gets played at Paisley Park, the people go there, watch it, but for everyone else that can't get there, they go to a cinema and watch it there, and, you know, it brings Prince fans together, you know, in your town, you can all go to cinema, watch it all together, and then after that, have the opportunity to buy it on Blu-ray or DVD, so I think that's something where they can monetize not only locally at Paisley Park but internationally not only through the cinema itself but then afterwards you can actually you know buy it to take it home to watch kind of thing so I think that would be something that I'd like to see in terms of recordings you know maybe something like the old MPG Music Club kind of like the 2009 thing but you know with better servers that hold a lot more content but just like put up a whole heap of recordings and shows and just get people to sort of log on you know bypass title itunes all this sort of stuff have their own shop log in you know and you download what you want you know set it at a price or do monthly memberships or yearly memberships or however you want to do it and you know get 
put different content up each month or every once in a while, you know, and just, you know, let the fans download just, what they want. Just bring back MPG Music Club. That's mm. what I was just thinking, Captain. As you and said just, it, I was thinking And just that. put, just do it exactly the same as it used to be. No, yeah, but, Our <laughs> lifetime memberships will be back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Maybe MC will get his T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, right. That's true. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see MPG MC, but like... To me, there was limitations to that, you know, like some of the recordings were mono and, you know, there was just things about it that, that it, it was great, but there was things that it was kind of limiting as well. I just, you know, want them to just upload things in good quality and set a price and, you know, mm. people will buy it. You know, well, that was is... 14, 15 years ago, though, you know, now mm. you can put up flack files, you can put up right. full videos, you know, people's exactly. internet's better than it was back then. You can download massive files a lot quicker time than you could 15 years ago. Right. So uh, yeah. I think a fair few of those limitations are lifted now, and it could be MPG Music Club 2.0. Mm-hmm. I would rather see less content but better content out there. So, uh, like, as much as I agree with you, what you guys are saying, like the MPG Music Club, when, when you first mentioned that, I was like, that would be fantastic. Just go on there, log in, and either you know, download whatever they give you every other month or, you know, maybe they just open up the floodgates and they just put heaps of content on there and you can buy and download whatever you want. But on the flip side, I'm not sure that that, like, that's not a very purposeful way to look after his catalog, maybe. I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I don't know. You can, you can, you could do it two ways. You could either start releasing huge amounts of material or, you know, a steady, regular release rate of material and flood the market. Or you could take out the things that are really, really uh, historic and special. So, you know, some of the shows that were recorded, um, especially recorded, to be released. Because Musicology Tour is an example. Every show was videotaped, but only a number of the shows on that tour were taped for potential release where they brought in extra cameras where they mixed in 5.1 sound and all this sort of stuff so it really depends like if if the people behind this are looking at getting rich quick open up another mpg music club or open up some sort of online shop online storefront where you just release as many digital files both audio and video as possible to the fan community and they would eat that up i mean if you're part of prince's estate easiest way to get rich do that Open up a portal where people Bang. log in and they just put in their credit card details and they just start downloading video and audio straight from the vault. That's the easiest way to become a billionaire. I mean, people would just do that without thinking twice. They'd pay um, off their tax bill in a week. Yeah, easily. Really easily, especially now, you know. And I say especially now because he would probably never do that. But if they want to do that, they can. The flip side of all this is what's the legacy about? Like, he's released so much music out already. And to answer Jam's question... I kind of agree with what you guys have all said. I am most interested in video because his audio legacy is, it's undeniable. It's there. And if you look for it, you'll find it. You know, I'm talking about things that are not necessarily available in an official capacity. And, you know, to some certain extent, videos are also available, but not in great quality. And that's the thing. If there's great quality video footage, and I'm talking about live concert, complete live shows, that have been filmed and edited and prepared for potential release, but they never came out, that's what I would do. I would start doing it. Similar to what Queen are doing. 
You know, they're not releasing every single show. They release, you know, one new show a year or one new show every couple of years, but they put a lot of care into it. They put a lot of work into it. The end result is a really, really good product. So that would be good. And, you know, I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens, right? But um, that's what I would like to see. So it sounds like all four Peach and Black guys want to see more video footage, concert footage, live concert footage. Isn't that funny? I'm sort of 50, I'm 50, 50. I'm audio or video. I don't really have a preference. <laughs> Not surprised. Yeah, that's right. You were saying, you were saying, yeah, as long as something comes out, right? I mean, I would like to see, you know, a full, you know, great quality DVD of an Act 1 show from 1993. But I'd be almost as happy with a perfect soundboard version of that show. Sure, video is great, but... You know, if you're watching a DVD, you have to physically sit there and watch that. If you've got audio, I mean, you could always rip the audio from the DVD anyway. But audio, you can listen to it in the car. You can just listen to it on when you're in the house doing stuff. But DVD takes, like, full attention sitting there and watching it. And I don't always have that much time that I can just sit there for two hours and just watch a show. So audio, okay, audio. If the, if, the prince, yeah. if the prince of state are listening to this, disregard what Captain just said. And, <laughs> and prepare the video, live video footage for release, please. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Yeah, video. <laughs> we, we want it to come out. Captain can rip the audio using his special audio ripping skills. Look, so that's that. You know, we, we've, I think we've come to the end of 2016 battered and bruised, but we're still here. So what else is there to say other than from... From me, I'd, li- I'd just like to say thank you to everyone who's uh, continued to support the show and who continues to engage with us. Everyone who has been sending us, you know, private messages, messages on Facebook and on Twitter and all this sort of stuff and shouting us out in person. It's been brilliant. And this relationship that we have as a community is really, really special and one of the cornerstones, I think, of what keeps all of us together, even in times that are less than less than ideal. So with that, I'll, I'll hand it over to Player Tojim and Captain for some closing thoughts or some final things if anyone wants to add anything. But other than that, we've, we've managed to, to get to the end of the year and looking forward to a, a more positive, enjoyable 2017. And we will be back and we're going to be back with some special stuff, hopefully. So uh, Player Tojim, Captain, any final thoughts? I don't really have anything to say. Just just end this year so another one can start. This one's been crap. And tell us what you think on our Peach and Black Twitter, Facebook, or reach us individually at Captain Says, at DNA Player, at Rob S. Oh, and listen <laughs> to listen to the other great shows we do. That's right, occasionally. Captain. Plug your show. Yeah, I do a show occasionally when I can bother. <laughs> guests bother to come on your show. Yeah. When, <laughs> when there's a guest, I'll do a show. Yeah. I did like about seven or eight in a couple of months and then there was like 11 month gap before I did the next one. So I say, I'm just keeping everybody in suspense. You never know when the next one's going to be or if there's going to be a next one. That's fine. It's a Fantastic. super exciting world to be living in these days. But it's called Captain Says... I'm on Twitter as Captain Says. And then you can go and listen to um to MC's show. OBM. OBM. Have you figured out what OBM stands for yet, Captain? I, 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 I've finally opened the page and I read it. It's there. It says it. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Well, my show is called the OBM Podcast. It stands for Obsessed by Music and it is out at all good podcasting outlets. Obviously, we, it's out we, on you iTunes. You tell us that it was released, bro. 
What are you talking? <laughs> You're not supposed to tell them that. <laughs> so uh, anyway, don't mind these guys. They knew it was coming out. Um, I knew it was coming out. I didn't know it was out. <laughs> I didn't even know it came out. I didn't even know it came out until iTunes approved the damn thing. Someone broke into MC's vault and bootlegged it. <laughs> it's out of the vault. Anyway, so it's it's out there. Uh, I've got a few episodes up and I'll be continuing that into uh, over the Christmas New Year period and also into 2017. So if you're a fan of MC or Rob S, whatever he calls himself these days, listen to that. It's usually um, a seven, eight minute monologue about either a song, artist, concert, live show or, or musical experience that I've uh, been involved in or witnessed. See, that's Share good. With that's the world a good my seven thoughts. or eight minutes is good for the, the short attention span people these days. Yeah, that's what I'm going at. I'm going at the, at the millennials. So uh, let's see how that, that all happens. But, um... <laughs> see, I, I, I do roughly we'll, we'll like a one goes. hour. So I'm probably expecting most people I'll get like five minutes in and go, I've had enough of this. But that's okay. <laughs> I'll pick up that crowd. Don't worry, Captain. I'm happy to pick them up. Yeah. I should put an ad for your show about seven minutes into my show. <laughs> <laughs> They'll get that far in and go, I've had enough of this. And oh, here's an ad. Oh, I'll go and listen to that one now. That's how it works. Why not? Let's give it all out offline. But basically, it's available at iTunes and it's also available at uh, robs.libsyn.com. You spell robs, R-O-B-E-S-S-E. Thank you for listening. But enough of that. We are the Peach and Black plug, plug, Podcast, plug. for gosh sakes. You can find me at DNA Player, but I've got no show because there's no demand for it. So go listen to the other two. I want to hear the, the DNA Player hip-hop show. Oh, God. What, the, the state <laughs> of hip-hop today or, <laughs> or the golden no, age? No, 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 no. No, the golden age. None of this new okay. garbage. And yeah. I'm waiting for Robes to do the Mike Oldfield special edition. I'm waiting for that one too. Tubular Bells. <laughs> <laughs> so uh yeah that's basically it guys thank you for listening thank you for supporting the show and big things are coming for next year in fact there will be more of the peach and black podcast to come into your ear holes into 2017 there's gotta be more that's we only did that. like about seven don't, shows don't this, say it. this don't year say it, there's gotta be more than that fade out fade out <laughs> the no end. one needs to know that story. blah 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 there blur blur, blur. 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 blur.